Praise God. Hallelujah. Now let's get into the word. Today I'm going to be talking about uh, letting go of the old life. And I've titled this, You Can Let Go of the Old Life. You Can Let Go of the Old Life. Now this is a continuation uh, of the message I taught two weeks ago. The, the Sunday before the Father's Day. Father's Day was last week. That Sunday I was talking about um, what people think about themselves with respect to sin. And the title, do you think you're a sinner? Do you consider yourself a sinner? And I tried to show us from the Bible, 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that if any person is in Christ, if anybody is born again, if anyone has received Jesus Christ into their life as their Lord and Savior, they are a new being, a new person. Now, this is not the physical, not that they are new physically, I mean on the outward, but they are new on the inside. Their nature is changed. Their spiritual identity is changed. Now, before a person gives their life to Christ, every human being who is of age, every human being who can differentiate between bad and good, everyone, right? Everyone who can differentiate between bad and good, evil and right, so evil and good, bad and wrong, or are they, <laughs> right, so right and wrong, basically, right? Every such person was infected with the sinful nature. They're infected with the sinful nature and they can receive the gospel anyone so if you know anyone in your house right now anyone in your family right now who can differentiate between good and evil uh it's time to minister the gospel to them because as they know about evil the enemy can you know work on them to do bad stuff but as they know about christ jesus as they give their life to christ jesus and receive a new nature right they can be influenced by the holy ghost to do right and to work right right so everyone the entire human race was infected with uh, sin, you know, from the time that Adam sinned. It wasn't a physical uh, destruction, so to say, but it was a spiritual one. And I went into details um, on that Sunday, in that message. So you can avail yourself to that message on social media or on the church website. Now, being a sinner is a spiritual nature, is a spiritual condition. Now, someone may say spiritual nature, spiritual condition. One truth we must come to terms is with it all the time. That every human being is not just the physical body. Every human being is primarily a spirit. Every human being is a spirit. And I can prove that to you. If you have ever heard of anyone that your great-great-grandmother when they died or great-great-grandfather when they died, during the funeral, right, the, the body was in the casket, you know, laid down in, in, in the ground to, to bury them, right? So the body was laid in a casket. However, the body cannot move. The person in that body is gone. And there are scriptures and the scriptures that tells us that human beings are primarily spirit. So when a person dies, the spirit has left them. So we are not our body, we are our spirit. So when, when Adam sinned, his spirit died. And when he said died, it means it was not alive to God, not conscious of God, just no longer looked like God. So when Adam sinned, and that sin which affected the entire human race, now, the spiritual condition of Adam was passed on to each and every one of us. And you can see in the book of Genesis, after Adam sinned, that murder and all kind of evil started happening in the world. So each and every one of us must understand that we are a spirit. 
We have what? We are a spirit. We have a body, but we are a spirit. It is sad that the media tends to focus our attention so much on how we look. We should look good, right? I believe I'm handsome and I like to look good, right? But that should not be my focus in life. My focus in life should be more of what I am becoming from the inside. Amen. Who am am I? I mean, my character. Beyond what you can see. (laughs) I'm tempted to talk about something that's in the news. Uh, One of the leaders in the the UK went was doing something silly in the office and was caught on camera. I get, but if you look at them on the face, they look, everything is, they look serious, you know, focused. But we saw what was going on behind the scenes in the office. Uh, I think we have a conversation to have with this, with that, with these people. Amen. Amen. So, we are spirit. Adam sinned, our spirit man was affected. Oh, uh, rather, according to Romans chapter 5, we inherited that defected, dead spiritual nature, the sinful nature from Adam. So, when we give our life to Christ, we become a new person, not in our physical appearance, but in our spiritual nature, our spiritual condition. So, don't forget, every human being is what? A spirit. Every human being is a spirit. We have a spiritual condition. We had a spiritual condition when we were a sinner, before we give our life to Christ. And in Christ Jesus, after giving our life to Christ, we received a new life. So, when I say you can let go of the old life, I'm saying that you also have an action to take. Now, the old life, the, the, the old nature, the old spiritual condition actually commands a lifestyle. A lifestyle of evil. Reflect a lifestyle of evil. Doing evil. Selfishness. Sometimes people think they are good. You know, they are very good because they can do things for people. They are good. They, they give to charity. They, they give to their local church. A lot of people believe that they are good. No, now, my question is this. If you think you are good, now, on whose, uh, your, your goodness or your being, your being good naturally is based on whose criteria? Is a human criteria or God's criteria? Or based on whose perspective? Is it your perspective, human perspective? Which most of the time is flawed? Which most of the time is focused on what it can get? Which most of the time is focused on deceiving people? Which most of the time is focused on trying to impress people? Right? Is it based on human perspective or on God's perspective? Because some people would think they are good. Um, by the time we go, we go deeper into their motives for the good they do, realize that they are selfish. Or they're trying to impress people. So I would say to you that nobody is good. The only person who is good is Jesus. Now, I can tell the next question a member of my church family is going to ask me from after saying this. So what do you mean by nobody is good? So let me complete that statement. Now, when I say nobody is good, nobody is good in their natural self. Nobody is good in their natural self because the natural human being is selfish, is self-centered. He thinks about himself. One thinks about himself. He doesn't care about people. Our brain and our mind can be trained to help people, but predominantly, we still we are still fending for ourselves. And that's why Jesus said, he said, no greater love than this, that a man should lay down his life for other people. Amen. Should lay down his life for other people. Jesus is the only person who came to demonstrate the God kind of love, which is selfless, complete love, which is selfless, complete love, which 
it, it, which has no agenda or motive or a kind of um, self-glorification in it. He laid down his life. He laid down his life. He does not deserve to be treated the way he was treated. But he chose to lay down his life for you guys. So nobody, nobody is good in themselves. We all have to receive a new life and believe that we are that, that new life in us is what is good, not what we do. The new life in us is what is good because that new life in us is the nature of God, is the life of God. The Bible says to us in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, that the love of God has been poured out in our heart by the Holy Ghost who have been given to us. So no human being is good in their natural self. God alone is good. And when you receive Jesus Christ into your life into your life as your Lord and your Savior, then you receive the good nature of God. And then from the inside, you can live out a good life. So to be a good person does not start from the outside, but from your action. It starts from receiving the good life, the life of the good one inside of you. And from there, you live out a good life. Amen. That was not part of my note. I just, I believe that's for someone there. Amen. So today, when I say you can let go of the whole life, I'm trying to say that after you have received a new life from giving your life to Christ Jesus, you still have a responsibility. So things may have changed or have changed for you spiritually. You now have this new spiritual condition. But many people can see that though they have a new spiritual condition, they are born again, there's peace in their heart, they have the love of the Father in their heart. But they still struggle with sin. They still struggle with wickedness. They still want to revenge. They still want to attack people. They still want to destroy. And this is one of the reasons why many unbelievers cannot just wrap their mind around how many Christians are conducting themselves. Because the bad stuff they know they are doing, they can see many Christians doing that. So they don't see any difference in them. And many Christians are thinking, now I'm born again. Why am I still struggling with this? So this is what I want you to see this morning, that even though you are now born again, even though you are not a child of God, right? There's a certain deposit, um, the, the old man, the old you, right? Left behind a way of thinking, a behavioral pattern. And then you need to lay down that. You need to lay down that. So let's start by talking about the destructive nature of sin. Okay, on that sad part is this. Many people, many Christians, because they understand, they know about the grace of God. And when, when I talk about grace, we're talking about the undeserved kindness of God. You know, God doesn't punish people of sin. God does not destroy people. God hates wickedness, but doesn't hate people. Right? So when people go out and say to gay people, you go to hell. They are him preaching the gospel. Because God is not looking at the gay is looking at the power of the devil walking in the gay person. God loves God may not like God does not like homosexuality, but he loves the homosexual. So when people go out and, and preach against people, they are not preaching the gospel. Right? So um I don't know why I went there, but I feel something something that God wants to say someone there. So, so people should not preach against people, preach against the enemy, preach the love of God to people. The Bible says that the love of God is intended to lead us into repentance. So we is our responsibility to preach the loving kindness of God to people and allow the Holy Ghost to do the work. 
People in themselves know that what they are not doing is not good. And that's why they will risk campaign. They will mobilize people. They will do all kind of stuff, you know, to justify what in their subconscious mind, deep down, they know is not right. So people are already struggling with condemnation already. Don't add to it. And that's why Jesus, the Bible tells us that Jesus did not come to condemn the world, but he came so that they might be saved. So every believer should be focused on how does how will sinners come to know about the love of God for them and that by, by the help of the Holy Ghost, they can come into the love of the Father. So what about the believer? Now, many believers, because they do not understand the grace of God, the kindness of God, right? They think they can just mess about with sin. They can do whatever they like. But sin is very destructive. I repeat, sin is very, very destructive. Now, there's a part that there's a... There's a portion of the Bible which I didn't put in my notes, but it keeps coming to my mind, and I think we should go there. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 10. Is that 1 Corinthians 10 or 2 Corinthians 10? Uh, let me turn my Bible to New King James. That's easy, very quick to read. Yeah, so it's 1 Corinthians 10. Uh, I will start from verse 1, and I'll read up to verse 11. I'll be quick a little bit because we have quite a lot to cover this morning. 1 Corinthians 10. Am I making any sense? So let me bring us to another focus here. So we have our old life, right? We are, and um, when we receive Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we receive the new life, right? But I said the old man, the old life, left a deposit inside of us, left some sinful behavior, sinful lifestyle in us. Some believers embrace that lifestyle and they say, you know, God loves me, blah, blah, blah. So I don't need to, you know, I can do whatever I like. The grace of God covers me. We need to deal with that. And um, I talked about the home believers that, you know what, we don't need to, we should not bother ourselves about um, unbelievers, you know, trying to get them to stop what they are doing. We should focus more on ministering the gospel to them so that they can receive the life of God in them. And then we can start training them to, receive, to embrace a new life. Amen. So First Corinthians 6. Now, uh, we want to look at how destructive sin is. How destructive sin is. Now, believers should know when they are playing with fire and should be able to recognize fire as fire. Amen. Because spiritual fire are not very open and are not very evident to the eyes and they're destroying us. Now, the world, and you can see this on Netflix, you know, I was, I was okay, the Lord was speaking, to, kind of speaking to me for some time now about some things that I stumbled on on Netflix and it was trying to open my eyes to see the impact of those things on my soul. I'm going to get there. We're going to use a Bible um, refer a Bible character as to reference that. The world is really advertising sin and making it, you know, harmless, making it look harmless to us. But those things the world is ministering to us is showing us they are destroying us beyond what we think. Amen. First Corinthians 10, 6. So now these things, okay, um, okay let's start from verse 1. 1 Corinthians 10, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I'm reading the New King James Version. Moreover, brethren, I do not want you to be unaware that all our fathers were under the cloud, all, pla all passed through the sea, all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea, all ate the same spiritual food, all drank the same spiritual drink, for they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. But with most of them, God was not well pleased, for their bodies were scattered in the wilderness. Now, these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. Now, 
the children of Israel, when they were being led out of, when they were led out of Egypt and God was leading them to a land, he promised them, right, for peace, you know, for them to continue to live life. Now, there were a lot of practices, evil practices when they were in the wilderness. You know, there was sexual immorality, there was idolatry, they were worshipping lost idols, there was anger, there was, you know, all manner of evil was going on in their midst as we were journey through, as we are making that journey. Now, the Bible is saying to us here that see, those accounts you see in the Old Testament, sometimes where, that some people don't like to read because it sounds gory, it sounds bad, it sounds evil. Why would God do this to his people kind of thing? Now, let me call, caution you there. God did not kill the people. I repeat, God did not kill the children of Israel when they sinned. I'll show you what happened here. Now, the Bible tells us that the Satan was in the world, but Satan was not being mentioned in the Old Testament uh, in, in with respect towards going life of the children of Israel because they were not spiritually sensitive to know that there was a devil in the world. And God gave the Ten Commandments to help the people, to safeguard the people from doing things that gives the devil a chance to destroy them. There's more to that, but that's just a kind of bonus there. Now, uh, so the Bible says to us in verse 6 here, it says, now these things became our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted, and do not become idolaters as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Nor let us commit sexual immorality as some of them did, and in one day 23,000 fell. Another version renders it 23,000 died. Now let us tempt Christ as some of them also tempted and were destroyed by the serpent. By serpent. Now complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the end of the ages have come. So the consequences of sin documented in the Old Testament were documented so that you and I, who become followers of Christ, we understand the destructive impact of sin. So the sad thing about sin is that when it's destroying you, you do not know. When destructive power, when the, the destructive work begins in us, we do not recognize it. Let's go to James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. James 1, 13 to 15. Now, I'm still reading the New King James Version. It says, Let no one say when he's tempted, I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. I think this answers a question of one of our church family members who asked me a question that can we be tempted, can we be led by the Holy Ghost into the wilderness to be tempted like Jesus? I, I couldn't answer that question, but I will leave you something here. Now, um, at some point I'm going to unpack, uh, I'm going to unpack what the, the Gospel of Matthew uh, says about, and Luke says about Jesus being tempted. I would say, put it this way, I believe Jesus was led into the wilderness for something else, but the, but he was tempted by the devil because God does not tempt his people. Now, this may make me sound like a professor of the Bible, but that's not true. But if you, when you read the Bible carefully, you know, you balance the Bible carefully, you see certain things that were expressed in a kind of way uh, based on the understanding of the writer. And I like it that the, the Bible have some some expressions that were not very, very accurate in terms of showing us exactly the true picture of things. 
And that's just to tell us that the Bible was not doctored, right? So God led Jesus into the wilderness, right? But if the Bible tells us that God tempts no one, then God did not organize the tempting. The devil went to tempt. Because when you when you say things like God organized someone, to position, position the person to be tempted, you're trying to say that God is, called, is working with the devil to build his people. No. Satan is called a tempter, right? So uh, let's carry on. Verse 13 says, let no one say when he's tempted, I am tempted by evil. Sorry, I'm, tem- I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does, he, nor does he himself tempt anyone. God does not tempt anybody. So if anybody finds themselves in tempted situations, you gather around because the Bible tells us that we should flee from all appearance of evil. No, it didn't say you should run from evil. If it looks like it. Now, we should be seeing the smoke from your exhaust pipe. Okay, I know this is, um, we, we, are, we are very conscious of uh, CO2 emission and things like that. But we should see, we should not even see uh, the color. We should not even see you, basically. Yeah, I, I, more words come to my mind when we get into the trouble of environmental, environmentalists, so to say. Right, so the Bible tells us that if you see evil, you should flee. So the Bible says that God tempts no one. So if you find yourself in tempted situations, you got to run. If it looks like it, don't wait till the temptation really kicks in and then you start praying in spirit in the tongues and say, God, you know, deliver me from this. Once you see it, once you see the appearance, it looks like it. Flee. Right. So verse 14 says, but each one is tempted. Listen to this carefully. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed. So if you want to connect that with Jesus, Jesus was hungry and the devil was trying, it was not hungry, but the devil was trying to tempt him about his identity. So the devil will use one desire, something inside of you to lure you into something that you should not do. So we got to be careful about our desires and appetite. Jesus' Jesus's desire was not sinful, was natural because he's been fasting and the guy is hungry. And the devil was trying to take advantage of the fact that he's hungry and trying to lead him to obey him. Right, there's more there. Right, so don't think Jesus had an evil desire, but we, because of our because of our old life, there are certain desires that the old man or the old nature left in us. Right, and um, if we don't deal with this old nature, old lifestyle, old life, if we don't deal with them, which I'm going to show us how to go about it, the devil can easily tempt us, you know, entice us to act on those desires, further leading us into destruction. Leading us into destruction, leading us into things that we should not do, leading us into direction and path that we should not go. Right. So verse fourteen says, "But each one is tempted, tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed." Sometimes our temptations should be signals to show us what is in us. Yeah. So if you think you're a person who doesn't like, do not, for instance. And you see this creamy, nice, you know, from one one of those kind of donut shops, you know, creamy. And your eyes are literally popping out on, your, on the side of the donut. And that should tell you that you have a craving for donut there. So whatever you have thought or believed in your life, you have to drop it at that point in time. And you need to find out where did this desire for donuts come? Because for you to be drawn to that donut, there must be something inside of you that resonates with donut. You see what I mean? So use that to say, use that as well to every other thing that you do. Amen. Amen. You are intelligent people. Now, uh, so verse fourteen, I take it again. He said, "But each one is tempted when he's drawn away by his own desires and enticed." 
Then when desire, listen carefully, this way I'm going. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So you follow through with that enticement, you are going to commit sin. And listen to this. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. So I was saying that when sin begins to operate in our life, when we begin to, begin to sin, you know, or we embrace or entertain sin, we do not know how much that thing is destroying our lives, destroying our soul. So we're better off not having engagement with it, not talking about it, not working with people who are doing bad stuff. Because 1 Corinthians 5, 15, 33 says, evil company corrupt good habits. So if you keep company with bad people, with terrible people, it's going to affect you. And that also includes Christians because 1 Corinthians 5, 9 to 11 tells us that any Christian who is given to sexual immorality and every bad stuff that we should not fellowship with them, we should not keep close association with them. You know why? Because it's going to affect us. So all your uncles and all your big brothers who are pastors or hushers in their church and who do all manner of bad stuff, the Bible is telling you that you should cut, cut off from them because they're going to influence you and you start acting weird. As a pastor, you know, I was saying to the Lord, Lord, I want you to protect me. I want you to keep me. I don't want to, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to end up like many men of God, you know, having you know, scandals and stuff like that. And there's something else that told me and he said it to me again. He said, avoid covetous guys. Covetous are greedy guys, guys who, who, who do things to make money for themselves. So some pastors that I've noticed, even pastors who, who may call spiritual fathers, who, have, who are now very covetous, you know, they tell you to bring $1,000 for God to bless you, all those kind of things. Those things are ungodly. They are anti-Christ. Because they are telling you that Christ has not given you those things for free, that you need to pay to get them. Right, so that's what I mean by antichrist. There. I'm not. They're not. I'm not saying they are the antichrist. Or what they are doing is antichrist from the context of the devil. But they are saying that what God, Christ has given you is not free. You need to buy it. That is against Christ, right? So God said, "I shall avoid such people," and that's why I will never. I repeat, I will never identify with any of such men. I would, if they give me an invitation to preach in their in their churches, except the Holy Spirit asks me to go and tell them the truth because it's been warning them, I will not go there and neither will I bring them here to minister to you people. Because evil companionship, evil communication corrupt good manners. Amen. Amen. So I've said that to say that if we begin to keep company with sin, if you begin to do sinful stuff, bad stuff is killing us, is destroying us. We got to watch our friends. What influence are your friends having on you? Are they helping you get closer to God? Or are they enticing you into things that you know are destroying your soul? Amen. First Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. First Corinthians. I know one of my one of our sisters will say, Sir, you didn't share the main text for today. There are a lot. So I didn't want to start calling them out. But take note of these verses I'm, I'm calling out. And then you get some stuff there. Yeah. So First Corinthians 6. 12 to 20. Now he says, yeah, he said, all things are lawful for me. I'm on New King James Version. All things are lawful for me, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So Paul is saying that he's not going to allow anything to control him. 
Now listen to carefully. It's going places. It's, it's going somewhere. Listen, listen to this. It's a food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will destroy. God will destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. Our body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord. And the Lord for the body. And God both raised up the Lord and will also raise us all by his power. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ and make them members of a harlot? Certainly not. Or do you not know that he who is joined to a harlot is one body with her? For the two, he says, shall become one flesh. But he who is joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Now, listen to this, verse 18. Flee sexual immorality. Every sin that a man every sin that a man does and a woman, it's outside the body. But the but the but he will commit sexual immorality sins against his own body. So the world on Netflix, on all those streaming devices are promoting sexual immorality. But the Bible is telling us that. When we do such things, we are killing ourselves. Don't forget what I read to you in James chapter 1, verse 13 to 15. That when sin has had its full course, it kills people. It kills people. And death comes in various forms. Some people become so terrible, so horrible that they begin to attack people. You know, like because I, we have kids on service today. So I, there are certain things I cannot express. Right? But, I mean... If someone once opened up to me, they said, you know, somebody did something wrong to them and they didn't know where they got inspiration from. But I know where they got inspiration from. It's from movies, obviously. So they took this person's clothes and they burnt it. Somebody did something wrong to them and they took the person's clothes and they burnt it. And it was it's a Christian. And after they've done it, they were like, what came over me? And years gone by, they still regret it. Friends, what you're, what you're taking in, what you're watching in movies is killing you, is preparing your heart for evil, is grooming you for wickedness. What you're paying attention to, what you're talking to about, what you're discussing, because sin is not just practice when you actually practice the sin, but when you talk about it, when you laugh about it, when you think about it, when you wish it, when you imagine it, when you, when you, when you embrace it, when you laugh at it, you know, I was working, when I was, when I was still working, um, I was working in the hospital at some point and um, the men gathered and they were talking, um, they were saying all manner of dirty stuff. Do you know what I did? I walked away from them. So there's a temptation for you, for me to feel like, oh, I'll feel like, I'll feel like the odd one out. They, they will feel something is wrong with me, but I didn't care because when those men are leaving their wives, when they contract HIV, when depression start happening in their life, I'm not going to be affected. I don't know where those men are now, but I'm, I'm, I'm pastoring in the church. And it's so obvious that if I'd followed them, if I'd laughed with them, and I took that as my lifestyle, I would not be here today. Because I can guarantee you that those men, if they had not repented, they are in a bad or terrible place. And I was, I was doing an observation at some point in my life, and I noticed that every uncle that I had, and every, every meal that I had, who were given to sexual immorality when I was a child, every one of them did not turn out well. Every one of them. They may have money, they may have cash, 
but mentally they're in a bad place. The kind of horrible things they do. Some of them, I mean, it's horrible. Sin kills, sin destroys. Sin opens the door for the master of sin, which is the devil, to come into your life. Amen. So the Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians 6 that, um, you know, um, the body is not meant for sexual immorality. He, he will, this is verse 18. He will commit sexual immorality sins against his own body. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy, Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received, whom you have from God? Excuse me. And you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit. So I'll start jumping ahead of myself now. So if you struggle with sexual immorality or kind of thing, it's important for you to begin to see yourself as somebody who is precious, someone who is valuable and was bought at a certain price. You know, uh, there's value. So the word makes it appear as if sexual immorality is foreign, is viewed. But the Bible tells us differently that practicing sexual immorality is the value in your life. The word says sexual immorality is good, is fun, right? As, as many women you can sleep with, guys you can sleep with. And some people actually even take glory in sleeping with celebrities, having sex with celebrities. But the Bible tells us, okay, I know I have kids there, right? Um, mother's girl, we help you. You have to decode this thing because um, our children are more aware than we think. And the to school is teaching them sex education. So they need to hear this or you have to decode it to them. So they tell you, uh, sex education, look at me, it's in quotes, I'm making my marks, my, my fingers, sex education. So you get to, you have the responsibility to teach them what sex education really is and not what the junk, the, 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 the wicked and the government is trying to teach them in school. Fantastic. Yeah, okay. Bring me to court and we'll talk about this. <clears throat> I won't even respond anyway. Right, so as I was saying, um, the word promotes sexual immorality is, is as good, is as fun, blah, blah, blah. But the Bible is saying that when we involve ourselves in sexual immorality, that we are actually devaluing ourselves. We are losing our life. We are that we, when we involve in sexual immorality, that we are degrading ourselves. Amen. We are degrading ourselves. Sometimes, yeah, I know sexual immorality is the, 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 the pleasure. It seems pleasurable, things like that. But the Bible is training us to say, when the pleasure, the desire for sexual immorality comes, you need to train your brain to recognize it as death, as pain. It feels pleasurable, but you have to train your brain to say it is death. Because when something you love doing keeps coming to you, and you can train your brain to say, each time it comes to you, know, you are death, you are death, you are destructive. It gets to a point that your brain will be trained to see it as destruction and you can flee from it. But if you don't train your brain and your mind to recognize it as death, as destruction, and you keep keeping company of people talking about it, it's going to ruin your life. Amen. Right, so let's get into this much more. So I'll look at 1 Corinthians 6, 12 to 20. Um, let me give you an example to, to let us... Um, I take have like nine minutes to go. Now, so we're still talking about destructive power of sin. Now, look at... Let's look at 2 Peter 2, 4 to 8. This, this might affect your Netflix or warning. Second Peter two four to eight. Are we there? So, for if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness, to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah one of eight people, a preacher of righteousness, 
bringing in the flood on the world of the ungodly and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making them an example. Can you say that word again? An example to those who afterward will live ungodly and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. I'm about to read the next line. Are you ready for this? Let's take verse 7 again. And delivered righteous lot, who was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. What was it? What happened to him? He was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Now, Lot was not participating in it. He was not the one doing it, but exposing himself to it was a form of oppression. So many of us, when we expose ourselves to wickedness, talking about it, you may say, I don't do that, I don't do that. Examples are running through my mind, but because of kids, eh? say, I don't do that, I don't do that. But my friends are like, my friends, my friends, my friends, my friends. They're going to kill you. All right. Where does the verse 7? Uh, and delivered righteous lot who was oppressed by the feudy conduct of the wicked. For the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. I think this is one of your key verses for this week. For the righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Young man, listen to me carefully. You know, when some, when some pictures, some girls come up on the scene, you know, when we look at it the second time, the third time, you know what's, what we're doing to ourselves? We are tormenting our soul. So if you're pleasurable to lust after those ladies who are exposing themselves, who, are, who, know, who, are, who, know, who, are, who strip themselves on, on Facebook and Instagram, things like that. If you're pleasurable, but the Bible is saying, saying to us that it is a torture, a torment on our soul. It's killing us. So when next to stumble on something on Instagram or Facebook, instead of look at it and think, mm, what a nice girl, just see it as something killing your soul. Amen? Killing your soul. Friends, many things that the world advertised to us as pleasure, as fun, we need to know what the Bible says about this and stay on the side of the Bible because the thing is this, the world, does not, the world is working in darkness. The Bible tells us that God is in the light. He walks in the light. We are children of light. There's a verse I'm going to read out to us next week that talks about um, you know, the delusion, how we get into sin by delusion, by deception. Delusion, deception. So the world, you know, with the power of graphics, power of media, technology, will make something look to you as great, enticing, perfect, nice. Go for it. But the world does not show you the depression, the suicidal thoughts it's dealing with. The world does not show you the consequence of what it does. And it will never show you. And it will pull it down from the internet. And even when you see the consequences, they will beautify it in such a way that you don't even pay attention to, to the consequences. You know, one of the hip-hop stars, as they call it, well, she has a, um, 
she sang one very dirty songs that actually really disturbed a lot of mothers. Even who are following her, and they started kind of rioting, like, you know, how are you sing such a song? <laughs> In her defense, she said, I sang what people want to hear. And and do you know what? The, that that um, song actually raked her much more millions. But the dark side of the of the life of this lady, no one is saying. She said something about her marriage. She said, our marriage has been destroyed beyond repair. So when somebody who is ungodly in their thinking, in their... I don't know what I born again because some people are Christians, but their head is not correct. My eyes said I should not use their head, it's not correct. They are not thinking straight. Right. <laughs> Jesus, help me here. Now, when somebody whose practice is purely ungodly is saying that their marriage is damaged beyond repair, it that should give you some signals that there are some deep, horrible, dark stuff that's going on in their life. So when it, when somebody will say, okay, mentally, right, say something is bad, it may not be extreme, right? But when somebody who lives and dwells in wickedness, I wish I could mention their name so that our girls can hear. Parents, um, you, mothers, you can speak to me later and if you want me to mention names for you, I'll give you names of this uh, female artist who are now models for young girls. And young girls are aspiring to be like them. Right. But the sad thing is this. Many young girls cannot see the destructive impact of these models and what they advertise, what they promote in their lives. Not that they don't want to see it, but they have been deceived, deluded, deception. Like we're praying in this morning in church that praying against deception in our heart because deception is deception. You can't see it. You can't, you can't see it. Deception is deception. They don't know. And many people too have been deceived. You know, I, I, can't, I can't forget this experience. A husband and wife were watching, I, you know, it was a Christmas um, kind of party and we're watching TV. So these families get out together to watch, to, watch, you know, to, to celebrate Christmas. And um, one of this hip -hop, pop star was on the TV and she was literally um, naked, right? And the wife was saying to the husband, don't you see how she looks? I like this, I like this, I like that. And I'm thinking, woman, are you thinking straight? You are drawing your husband's attention. Now she's been deceived. You're drawing your husband's attention to a naked woman. And you think something is not going... I mean, I mean, are you... Please permit me because when I get like this, I'm, I'm like, are we thinking? I can see my body, I mean, because it's itching me. Like, are we thinking? So if this woman should come into your home physically, I mean, when you are not at home, what, will you, what do you think will have happened or have happened? Are, are we thinking? Are we thinking deep? And you as a woman, do you know that you do... And the lady, you know, with all due respect, I didn't look too much about that kind of thing, but it's like, she, she, she cannot meet to the standard of the model she's seen on TV. And you are saying that is good for your husband. Don't you see this is good, this is good? Telling him that what you... That one is better than you. That is what you should be going for. You may say, no, that's not what I was saying, but I'll tell you that's how it's working in the brain of the guy. Mothers, wives... Protect your home. Mind what you allow your family to watch. Especially for the boys, even for the girls. Because what we see, what we pay attention to, defines our identity. Not our identity in Christ, but how we see ourselves. Guys, thank you for listening today. I hope um, that blesses you. I still have a few things to cover in that area, but I just wanted to really amplify as much as possible the impact, the destructive impact of sin in our lives. Talking about the old life. So, the residue that the old man left in our life is what I'm, which we still see in our life, is what I'm trying to call out to help us to see how bad it is.
And then next week, I'll start looking at how to, to, to help us to see that we can lay it aside and how to go about it. So guys, we look forward to connecting with you guys on Wednesday where my wife and I do catch up. Some of this time I unpack much more, right? And um, if you'd like to join us on Zoom right now, you can look at the description. You can refresh your page on, maybe on Facebook and YouTube. And then you find a Zoom link there. We would like to hear from you. Amen. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of your day and have a blessed week.